So uh, we're just going to continue this conversation. I'll do an introduction later. So uh, <laughs> the guy I had on the last podcast, Dylan Reed, uh, I did the pilot episode with him. Um, he's the lead singer of Grand Transit, which is a band here in Nashville. Yeah. And so uh, music junkie, and I'm like, fix my microphone, fix my settings. And he taught me how to, he's like, this is all you got to do to adjust your settings. I'm like, so this is how I hear myself. So <laughs> compared to the Grand Transit episode, you can't hear anything. And like the podcast or like the podcast got cut short because Studio One likes to just cut things. And I'm not really sure why. Mm-hmm. And so the second one got a little louder. The third one with... I think the third one with Young Kings, I had Trey Collins actually adjust things and fix things. So that one was a little louder. And then this last one, you could actually hear everything on without cranking your volume all the way up to 50. Right. And it's, I don't, do, I like talking to people. I don't like the production part of this because I'm yeah, not very sure. good at it. My dogs are selling hell, saying hello. <laughs> Perks of editing, which I'm not very good at. But, anyways. I don't remember where I was at in my story. Oh, gosh. Uh, you were doing the interview with Young Kings. Okay, Trey had helped so, you with yeah, settings a little said, bit. Everything did you do that over Skype, by the way? How no, did you get I actually went back to Indiana for that one. Oh, really? I tried to travel back as much as I possibly can. Uh, my parents got divorced in August last year, I think. Okay. And so my dad's still back home, and he started up a new, like, just like just got his GED, trying to go to college. Good so for him, man. I tried to make sure, like, see my dad and my sister's living up with him, and gotta go see them once in a while and i'm like well if i'm gonna go up and see family because she all of her family is either in texas or in indiana right i could care less going to see family like i'm okay with like phone calls with my dad i'm cool with that but i figured we're going home she's gonna see her family i'll see my family and get Mm -hmm. some work done with it so originally i was going up there to get an interview done with young kings john allen and uh aaron coe did not happen because podcasting takes so much longer. Um, we shot like an hour and a half with Young Kings and uh, Brent actually freestyled. And I went to stop the podcast so I could make sure the beat was heard along with the lyrics. Right. And it deleted like the entire thing. The program shut off. Oh, And yeah. so we had to, because we were in Brent's dad's basement shooting that episode, he, we only had like he had plans that night, so we only there had like two and a half hours, and I'm like, well, we should probably go. So we went to Trey's house mm-hmm. and then shot again, and with that six hours it took to get everything done, that kind of eliminated any other podcasting getting done at the time. Yeah, yeah, that's not what you want. Just so you know, not like next really. time. Pro tip: I don't know. Like I'm kind of <laughs> new to the podcasting thing, but don't delete. The whole interview. It was just weird. Like, I went, I hit just stop recording, so it stopped recording so I could just go back a couple seconds and just make sure the audio was lined up, and it just said, no, we're going to shut down the entire program, and yeah. I was livid. The crazy thing is, is I've heard you talking about this now, and you blame a couple of things, like, on the software or whatever, <laughs> and I'm just saying... If it really like cuts things off and deletes things, not a good business model. (laughs) It might be some human error. Right, right, right. right. Oh, that's one hundred percent human error. Okay, I just gotta figure it out. I just wanna make sure we're on the same page with that. I didn't (laughs) want any like delusion going on. You remember uh, Tim Stanley from school? No. Um, Oh, I don't think I'm trying to think of how you run into him. Uh, He's a producer now, so okay. Every time I have audio questions i just snapchat him i'm like hey so this is what i need done yeah how can i fix this and he just sends me leaks on how to get things fixed all the time and dude i really just need to sit down with like youtube one day and just look up every right. personas studio one video i'm like so that's how i do that and make this better right well you need to get 
man, a crazy concept here, but get popular enough that you make enough money <laughs> to hire somebody. That's next. Dude, have you tried it? I wish. Okay. The, uh, the actual next plan is I want to get on YouTube because uh, with the podcast, I'm on iTunes, which is awesome. That's great. But unless you have an iPhone, you can't listen to the podcast other than SoundCloud, which people don't like going to SoundCloud for anything. Right. So I'm trying to find a camera so I can just start doing YouTube videos because you kind of get a better idea of the feel for the podcast if you can see the two of us interacting. Yeah. I don't know what the hell to buy. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's, uh, that's a lot of how I take in podcasts and a lot of media in general. I work from home now, mm-hmm. which has its pros and cons, you know, but one of the good things about it is like, you know, I play whatever I want, listen to whatever I want, have whatever going on while I'm working. And so YouTube has been an awesome tool for that. Like I have my right? computer set up, HDMI cord to a TV, <laughs> and I str- I'm just throwing videos over there. That's how I listen to a, a, a lot of anything. Exactly. I mean, I use iTunes for most of my podcasting because most of the podcasters I listen to are on iTunes. Sure. Um, so I listen to Joe Rogan, Joe Budden. Um, I just got like 19 different podcasts. I just kind of cycle through. Just mm-hmm. I pick up on little things they do. And I'm like, oh, I want to do that, and this is how I do it. So I'm just not biting off their style of doing things. Yeah. So I call it work when I listen to podcasts because I'm just studying. <laughs> Nobody else really agrees with that. Right, but. right, right. So yeah, that's the next thing I'm trying to figure. I'm like, what kind of camera do I need to buy? And you can Google like podcasting camera, and then. You see one for 40 bucks, and you see one for six grand, and I'm like, yeah. I'm really not sure what route to go with this. Well, the thing is, man, as a marketer, I can say almost everything's an ad now. Like, you know, people are like it, an article, a review, or somebody comparing cameras, or something. Everybody has some money in the game in that. So you can't take a lot of those things at face value unless you like get in touch with the person. You're like, okay, I love your podcast. I love the way it looks. What equipment do you use? Is that's about the only thing you can do that you can trust. The only issue is all of the uh, podcasters I listen to are rich and famous, and yeah. I'm talk to a nobody. Yeah. Like, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> so everybody's like, "Like, what's your goal with these podcasts?" And like, I've got a number of people I'd love to have on podcasts. Like, I'd love to have John Bellion. I'd love to have Kevin Smith. I'd love to have Christopher Titus. Like, people I idolize. Like, I really just want them on the podcast just to get to know them deeper on the level that they don't typically show themselves because that's not in the circumstance of what they're doing like kevin smith is silent bob if you guys don't know who i'm talking about but he does a his podcast is called a smodcast he's been doing this thing for like 20 years mm-hmm. hands down my favorite director writer comedian because he dropped out of film school to work on his first film he used the five thousand dollars he got back to make his first film he made clerks with five thousand dollars that he got back from dropping out of film school and uh, everybody's like, Kevin Smith movies suck. Like, you're an awful director. And he's like, say that slowly. Kevin Smith movies. And he's like, are you making a movie? I don't give a shit if it's good. It's a Kevin Smith movie. Like, that's right. my entire goal for doing this. And I'm like, I idolize you. Like, I really was just want to be friends with you and get to talk to you on a personal <laughs> level. Like, So that's the goal of the podcast is to be friends with Kevin Smith? Yeah. I mean, okay. long term. All right. <laughs> I just want to make sure we're clear. You mentioned John Bellion. Yes. Dude, I have to thank you. Because I didn't know about John Pellion until I saw you tweeting about him a ridiculous amount. Kind of weird. Yeah, but it like, is a little weird. <laughs> it's a little much. It's a little much. But it worked because, man, 
that is one talented guy. He's a. Do you ever watch his making of videos? I saw um, one. I forget what what song, but he had the he had like a full orchestra. He's playing piano. He's yep. conducting, <laughs> and it's like, dude, it's it's insane. just incredible to watch. So, um, Logic is signed by Def Jam and uh, Visionary Music Group, who was also signed John Bellion. Okay, I found Logic has been making rap music for oh, probably. Oh, he's 24, so probably close to a decade now. But he got, finally got big probably back in probably our sophomore year of high school. Okay. And I found John Bellion because I was on YouTube. Shout out YouTube because y'all the homies for this. Um, he was John Bellion had a song called Dead Man Walking, and it was one of the first songs he ever made a video to. And Dead Man Walking about it is him sleeping with his older sister's best friend. Damn. <laughs> like, and uh, so I'm like, this guy's a G for this, like. He turned a funny scenario into a song, and he's like, "I'm putting this on the mixtape, and my sister that is not gonna has heard every song on the mixtape, but this one, she's probably gonna kill me." And that's the right. whole point of this. I'm like, "This guy is incredible," and so watching him develop over the years, he started putting out his making of videos. And when I say this man does everything, this man literally does everything. Yeah, he sings, raps, produces, like makes his own beats from scratch, and. Just watching, you can see the gears turn in his head as he's making whatever his making happen. Like you listen to his final product, and then you listen to the little things he adds. And every time you listen to that song afterwards, you're like I never caught that the first time mm-hmm. until you saw his actual breakdown of what his true vision of it was, and you're like, "This is incredible." And so I fangirl over him. Yeah, I mean, it, that's that's clear. That's clear. <laughs> the fangirling is clear. But, uh, it, I mean, dude, it's, it's warranted because you just have to appreciate people who are, I mean, the, the guy's an artist. You know, like that's, I think um, music is said a lot of times, like music in general is art. And, I, like, I agree mostly you know, like most, I would say maybe most music is art. I don't, I don't feel like all the Minus time. Double XL 2016. Like there's, <laughs> right? Like there's some instances where it's like people do it because it's a thing to do, and that's and don't not get me the, wrong. There's nothing wrong with that, but if you're putting out garbage, it's not art. Like, we're, yeah, right. We're gonna call you on it. So you yes, know, like exactly. that, we're gonna respond as we should. So like John Bell, you have to appreciate that because that's art, and that's one man creating the art which is different than so many other musicians who you know are just singers or just writers mm-hmm. or just producers. And in a situation like that, you see somebody bring it all together and you hear this project and you know, wow, they did every part of this. And that's what bothers me. Like when Drake got busted out for having a ghostwriter, right. I took personal offense to it because you can't call yourself a rapper if you're ghostwriting. The, to me, I've always grown up to seeing rap and hip-hop as poetry with a beat most of the og rappers took jazz vinyls flipped it over to the do-it-yourself version and those were the beats they were spitting over they if you got the rap started out as battling and doing their own thing if anybody found out somebody else was doing your work you were discredited and you didn't go nowhere sure don't get me wrong drake is one of the hottest artists out right now period part of that is to the producers he works with Part of that is to his ghostwriters because you can definitely tell a difference when he started getting help with his work. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with getting help with your work, but if you're going to call yourself a rapper and actually rap, you can't have other people writing these verses for you. Yeah, I mean, 
like I get that in in terms of respect within the community within your peers and, and I mean I'm, I'm no rap expert so you know I can't get into it too much but I will say if I can appreciate the product if we can appreciate the product if it's something that everybody can listen to and say hey I, I enjoyed hearing that then I say it's a good thing you know but to our point earlier I, I, I won't call you necessarily an artist or you won't call him a rapper right. you know you whatever you want to categorize it as I won't say is that but it's something that a lot of people enjoyed and it's something that you're good at and like I can admire that to a degree um, but yeah maybe you have to you have to talk about it in a different light I mean I think it's ridiculous when people compare like him to Kendrick and stuff like that like it's, yep. it's, it's, it's not the same music not it's not this it's totally different stuff man like they're they're in they're in two they're playing two different sports you know i mean it's not even it's not even comparable so i mean that that's where kind of the lines get blurry for me i I think people have a hard time looking at everything individually which i'll admit i do at the same time um because like you said like drake and kendrick you can both they both call themselves rappers drake not as much because i don't think he's ever actually truly looked at himself in that way but Dude, that was Ken- like a reggae album, his last album. I mean, that's hardly rap, you know what I'm saying? I honestly God didn't listen to it. Okay, well, um, it wasn't rap. I mean, it really, it really was Like, maybe in I saw so many people talking about him biting different flows, and he just sounded like every other artist, and I'm like, I really don't want to listen to an album if I'm going to sit there and think, oh, this is who he sampled off of. Sure. I, I I like originality to a whole. Right. I just feel like he's the hottest in the game. Like oh, so, hands down. so like you have to you have to pay attention to it in Every some interview way. I like watch like him, of him, I love his charisma and I love him as a person. Oh, he's like, a hilarious he, guy. He seems like an incredible person. Sure. And uh kind of like with like LeBron and Tom Brady, like his fans piss me off to no other level. Like right, right. their fans make me want to hate them. Yeah. Like it's kind of ri- ridiculous. Yeah, that's a tough thing to to, to reconcile with like I, I don't I don't want to attach these people you know with that person so you know but hats off to Drake for what he's doing I, yeah I mean like my, my like the big issue I was trying to point out I was like when he was dropping his mixtapes that was Drake and um I've argued with this people over like the new Lincoln Park album and how they've progressed over the years but me personally I think Drake did a 180 when he was signed because Drake was no longer <clears throat> making Drake music. Drake was making what was popular. Right. And I don't like artists just going with the flow. Like, do something original. Like, make yourself stand out because you guys are the pioneers of everything going on right now. Sure. You can literally change the course of everything. Like, you gotta look at like artists like Little Uzi Vert kind of came out with the whole feminine version of how he personifies himself in the same time rompers are becoming fashionable. Yeah, rap's gotten weird in that way. It's, yes. I guess it's weird how different it's got. And I'm okay with there being different, but like I said, I hated Double XL 2016. Outside of Little Dicky, I don't like any of the artists. I like Lil Yachty. I hate his music, but I like Lil Yachty as a person because like I point, like I'm trying to do with this podcast, I want to get, uh, people seen on a different level to get them know him deeper right when i heard little yadi i'm like this mumble rap bullshit like why are y'all gassing this man up like he's literal garbage Mm -hmm. and then you look at like you watch his interviews with like jump street and vice and i'm like this dude's grounded and cool as shit like i would hang out with him and then they turn on his music i'm like stop 
Right. And like as soon as I saw him get signed by Sprite and putting out that song, and I'm like, who thought this was a good idea for a song? But the, to the on the other hand, when you say, "Oh, I want them to originate and I want them to stand out and I want them to do different I just stuff," completely contradicted myself. If you right. right, like, and <laughs> if you don't have that in you, then don't do that. You know what I'm saying? That's the other thing is I can't expect that out of every artist. That doesn't happen. So like, you know, Lil Yachty, Drake, Uzi Vert, Lil Dicky, whoever, which by the way, too many Lils. Can we just say that for real? Can can y'all stop with that? I know you all are listening. I know every rapper right now is listening to this podcast. Please stop. Stop being Lil. And then you got Big Sean. Like everybody's little, but then Big Sean, who's actually little, like is Big Sean. What are you doing? It's ridiculous, but I was, uh, what was I saying? <laughs> I, know, I just started laughing oh, at the whole Oh, originality. Thing. So, like, I can't expect that out of everybody. So, like, if that's your artistry is the, is quote-unquote the same as everybody else is doing, I get, do you. You know what I'm saying? I, I just, I can't expect everybody to be uh, everything that we expect out of music, you yeah, know, and I guess that's why it's great that we, we have choice, you know? It's just, I, I expect... I, I still set a bar for what I expect out of hip-hop, and just the music that's been put out lately, I feel like Pac, Big L, all of the OGs look at this like, I got shot for this shit? Like, yeah, it's a different game, though, man. I mean, it's it, it, it's not the same as guys who, you know, literally it was a, it was a way to not struggle. People just don't have the same things to say nowadays. And the other thing is, like... Let's be honest. You're mad because they're rich and like Pretty they got rich yeah. off something that you think isn't good. That's yeah. But like people had to be entertained by it for them to make some money. So I, it's just it's difficult for me to get mad at. All I can say is that's that's not for me. Uh, I I would like somebody to sit down and explain to me why it's for them. I haven't heard anybody say that yet. You know, yeah. like it's kind of tough because I haven't. How a lot of these guys are really like millionaires and selling and selling a bunch of records and stuff when i've never personally met a fan of them is is <laughs> shocking to me but like you know i guess it's it's happening somebody's doing it that that that's a fair point and it's just like i said i've always viewed rap as poetry with a beat and when i hear future's mask off album and all of this other top 40 songs right now i'm like you I just don't understand the fascination. Like, y'all are giving all these rappers credit when most of the time it's the producers you guys are liking and they're getting no credit whatsoever. Now, that's that's a good point, though, is why aren't producers like... <clears throat> excuse me. Like, DJ Khaled, and this is a legitimate question, like, he comes up with albums. Why does that not happen for more producers? Because, like, like you just said, they're the real stars in situations like that. I, and I don't, I don't have an answer to that. Like, I, I just truly don't understand. And a lot of producers kind of wised up, and that's why into most intros of the songs, you're hearing the producers shout themselves out because they have to. Yeah. Never once have I heard one of these mainstream artists actually give credit to the people that's making their songs want <coughs> to be listened to. There's not an acapella rap album or outside of like um, operas. Acapella music is not something you're going to buy an album of because nothing about that is going to truly catch your interest. We're going to want to sit and listen to everything. These producers are going yeah. out of their way, 
paying attention to what's popular, what's not, things that are going to catch people's interest, and finding a way to keep your interest for the three to five minutes that this song is going to go on without you getting bored and wanting to skip. Yeah, so that's where, in in my opinion, everything's a skill, right? So I don't get mad at somebody for having a ghostwriter. I don't get mad at somebody for kind of making their way off off producers, as long as you know everybody's getting paid and whatever. But in my mind, like if you're just good at delivery and somebody else is writing your lyrics, but that person can't rap because like they don't have any delivery, they don't have the voice for it, they don't have the intensity in it, then cool. I want to hear the best music. You yes, know what I'm saying? So if that takes seven people to make it, or if that takes John Bellion to make it, then fuck it. I don't care. You know, if it's one <laughs> or the other, like just just give me the music. You know what I'm saying? Like as I a think consumer. the issue I see with it, it I th- I th- I, the core of it really is I see, I talk with artists on a daily basis. I've got six messages right now from artists that I think aren't getting the recognition they deserve because. You're really cool, by the way. That's so cool that you're so popular. it bothers me that these artists should be getting recognition but because they're not selling themselves short for mumble rap talking about drugs and impregnating bitches and bailing on them that they're not going to be seen by anybody because nobody wants to listen to the true intellectual music that makes you think dude but be real how cool is mumbling impregnating bitches and running (laughs) out you know what i'm saying you, have you ever mumbled, impregnated a bitch, and bailed all in the same day? It's amazing. <laughs> like, top three day of my life. I gotta be real with you. <laughs> but no, man, I agree with you. You know, but that's... I have no response to that. I really don't. <laughs> that's the independence, though. You know, like, I feel like the, the, the wonderful thing about, like, right now what we're doing, you know, we're podcasting, and, like, this is such a... Uh, in my opinion, it's such a superior medium to so many other things. And there's a reason why things like Netflix and podcasts, you know, uh, you mentioned Joe Rogan earlier. I love his podcast. Yeah. Like his numbers, like the millions and millions of people that download it, like name any TV show, Game of Thrones, whatever. He kicks their ass, man. He, like he really does. Like he blows them out of the water. And so, and Netflix, same thing, you know, so many people cutting cable and whatever. And I feel like hopefully the same thing happens in music where there's more people like, you know, Chance the Rapper or Macklemore who can release albums on their own and kind of make it happen uh, as independents. So that, that way... That would be great to see. Yeah, because we can't let... There's no reason for anybody else to control the message. Um, it should come straight from the artists and it should go straight to the consumers. And we'll figure out what we like and the market will respond accordingly. What I hate is when I hear stories about artists who, you know, go into um, different different labels and stuff and they're like no you need to do this this needs to be the creative direction of the album why one of my favorite stories ever is um are you a lincoln park fan at all Uh, a little i did not listen to the new album but back in the day i personally like the first or the new album but their uh their first album is hybrid theory and it's called hybrid theory because they mixed rap and rock well, when they got signed, Mike Shinoda, who is the rap artist of the group, they were told him to stay on the keyboards and don't, like, no vocals because we don't think that is what people want to hear. They were trying to give him different gimmicks, like wearing, like, lab coats and all this stupid bullshit. And Chester and Mike just kind of looked at each other, like, that's not who we are. Like, we, yeah. we are the artists. You are not tell us what we can put out. So they put out hybrid theory to kind of prove a point, like, we can pull this off and hybrid theory worked and that's just one of my favorite stories because you hear all the time that musicians are 
getting boxed in because right people that think they understand the game and the ones that are distributing the money for it think they have a say and at the end of the day they don't chance the rapper officially proved as an independent artist you can be successful right three grammys and his motherfucker is making millions of dollars unsigned he's doing this himself and his music is fucking phenomenal right like so good but in the production value and everything like the guy's amazing you know to, to handle all that on his own but that that's what happens when you make music a business where somebody wants to say well i want to appeal to as many people as possible and they're looking for like the one they're looking for like the the taylor swift effect yeah. you know they want you to be the most famous person that you possibly can be instead of saying well we're gonna let lincoln park do lincoln park and no they're never gonna be pop music mainstream sell you know break records and stuff but they're a lot of people are really really gonna love their music and in that sense they will be successful and they will make money so i get it but yeah you just can't turn it into a business too much because you need to give people choice you know there's just so so much variance in taste uh, from person to person, and then within their within people, I mean, like you know, people like all different kinds of music. So put out as much as possible, and let's let's just see what wins. That's how I am. Like I, every artist I speak to, they have the what they put together in like their album or their LP, their EP, and then they have a dozen other songs that they enjoy but didn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. Put it out, like. Yeah. Nobody can stop you from doing it. The internet is one powerful damn machine. Yeah. And it's great to see. And part of me, the anti corporation individual that I am, like, I kinda wanna say fuck the man. Like, if they tell you not to do something, I'm the individual that'll go out of my way to do what they told me not to. Sure. Well, and a lot of times they're wrong. So I mean it it's just what what's the goal? You know, like we we were talking about earlier, you know, what's the goal with the podcast? What's the goal with the album? Whatever your goal is, you have to go with that. If you're saying, well, I just want to make as much money as possible. I want to be as popular as possible. Then maybe, yeah, don't put everything out. But if you're just like, I want people to enjoy this art, then put out as much as possible, yep. you know, and then, then do that. So it just depends on what you're going for. But, but speaking of goals and stuff, you were just, you were telling me before about the, <laughs> about the TV, uh, TV, the TV show. show. Yeah. So uh, Dylan Reed is actually my uh, business partner in Tabletop Productions. Okay. Um, he was the first writer I signed. And at the end of the day, I'm like, I, all of my business moves, I go run past you regardless. So why would I not put you on with me? Like reg- if we crash and burn, I will take the financial burden. That's fine. But if we can somehow make this work. I'm going to take you with me. And so um, I made him my business partner and we're working on, we're actually technically working on an entire cinematic universe. And uh, so the initial project we plan on putting out is actually a mini series on, it's about Nathan Potts and Charles Wallace, who are two reporters in a post crime ridden world. Okay. And um, it's basically a general uh, gets elected into governor and puts, I don't want to say martial law into effect because that's not the route we're going with the story, but she finds a way to eradicate crime to such a minimi- like a minuscule percentage that it's just not a thing anymore. Nobody's committing crime. Exactly. Okay. And uh, But they come to find out that the mob is coming back and they're using... I'm not going to spoil the alert, but the mob is coming back and they're on. They're finding the stories. They're 
going deep in to find the truth because as writers that is that was their, they went to school for this they all throughout high school they were journalists went to college for journalism dropped out of college because they got signed by a news crew or like by a news station and so uh the entire pro the entire project is them uncovering the truth and moral dilemmas of we're getting in pretty deep and then they realize but this is who we are this is what we signed up for and so with that it's an unnamed project because we're both terrible at titling things but <laughs> so uh we have that script in production on before that i have my underprivileged script in works which is a pre-mob uh pre-mob story to the uh, nathan potts and charles wallace story and I have another project in production for a prequel to that, but I'm revert. I'm going to put them out in reverse order. So there's going to be the first project is not going to have a lot of open ended questions like well what what like answer this. You're not going to find the answers until the prequel, which mm -hmm. uh, the underprivileged is actually going to be a movie, and then the prequel to that one, which is going to fill in the rest of the answers, is going to be the prequel to the prequel. Also a movie. Yes. And so, and then what we plan on doing with that, um, Nathan Potts and Charles Wallace are going to be our Stanleys of our cinematic universe. So every project we put out, they're going to be involved in one way, shape, or form. Right. And so, uh, like one project I've been working on since probably my freshman year, it's uh, called Nephilim. It's a, uh, a hitman that commits suicide because he develops remorse for the actions he did, uh, commits or attempts to commit suicide, jumps off a 15-story building and survives. And comes to find out he is the son of, uh, I think I mean like the angel of death and the duke of hell. And um, so he becomes a hitman for heaven to kind of uh, condone for his sins. And so uh, we're going to do little things like Nathan and Charles are in just the backstory, like nothing to deal with this project. They're in the backstory trying to figure out like how this motherfucker survived a 15-story fall and just got up and walked away. Yeah. And so um, we we work together like four of the seven days of the week at the country club we work at. And so we just sit there bantering back and forth about the different projects we have and how they're all going to tie together because the issue I have with pretty much like any um, DC and Marvel universe is they're so segregated, but it's all in the same universe. Yeah. Why would you not bring beloved characters all together? It's your universe. Who's going to tell me no? It's right. my projects. Like, yeah. And back to the whole Kevin Smith thing. It's like, if you don't like my work, are you making a movie? Yeah. I, I don't want to hear any bullshit then. Like, if you want to put out your own movie and then we can discuss things, I will call you out on that challenge. At that point, then you can criticize me for what I'm doing. But until you're doing the same thing I'm doing, I don't want to hear any negativity from you. Right. That's that's super interesting to go into journal uh, to go into exploring the stories behind journalists too because dude, that's such an interesting and underappreciated career exactly uh, of of journalism and i think that shows in like uh the movie spotlight you know one yep. best picture just a couple mm -hmm. years ago and um i feel like a lot of times they're they're misrepresented in in that i don't know they seem like the characters are made almost like annoying or like kind of just silly and it's like usually they're people who legitimately have like these altruistic ideals and really want to make the world better and are trying to help and trying to like be a part of it um it's a really interesting career and i think uh, good stories to tell and uh the what i i think our initial unspoken plan was we don't like the journalists that are out now like journalists like tommy lauren 
have really put a negative name on being a journalist. She's not a journalist though. She's a I mean she's she's a TV host. I thought she started off as a journalist. Did she? I mean I, I thought I could be very I don't wrong, know. Like, I don't I don't care to get much into her life. <laughs> so but, uh, I haven't looked into it, but like she's a cunt like fuck her. Like I really don't like her at all. Dude, we don't know her. Regardless of not even the You don't fact, like her work though. I don't like the way she pushes her beliefs. I don't agree with most of the things she says, and that's fine. I am all right. for the First Amendment, freedom of speech. Enforce it until you die, period. But do not force your beliefs and hatred of others down my throat. I don't give a shit. Right. No. So what does she do to force it down your throat? I, you're going to instantly tell me if you don't like what I'm not watching, turn it off, which I could. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just like I'm asking, though, like legitimately because then me like the. Have you seen the last video she posted since the Ariana Grande bombing? No. Uh, so um, I see. I, I see it's all over, but I didn't. I didn't um, take the time to. Listen so to uh, it. do you know the. Uh, oh, I want to say he's Muslim, but the uh, Muslim. I don't even know what he does. His name that is... That guy who works for the Young Turks? Yes. And, like, you, he's virtually made his career off just talking shit yes. about her? I love that guy. Like, again, don't always agree with his ordeals, but um, I was watching that video, and she, she so much hate speech for something she did no research for going on and just bashing an entire community of people, which, last I checked, there were, what, 1.2 billion... I don't want to use this. It's like 1.2 billion Muslims in the world. I, I don't know. I don't I'm know. That, sure. that could be wrong. But she's bashing a large percentage of the of our world and categorizing every all of these people as the same. And as he points out in his last video, is like that saying the you can blame all Christians for invading Iraq because Bush said that God told him to invade Iraq. You can't group all these people together and it bothers me to a deep extent for people to just assume that all Muslims are terrorists. Yeah, I mean, religion's tough in that way in that it, it produces uh, a lot of things that aren't tangible. And it's kind of an easy thing for a lot of people to, to blame stuff on. And so much is left up for interpretation. So things get lost in that way. But I, I think people like Tommy and then, you know, people like like. Donald Trump even, mm-hmm. we need to appreciate. And I say that because they show us what's wrong, you know, in the, in the, in the worst way. I'm really I, glad you brought up Trump because I wanted to segue into the conversation we had the let's, other night. Let's, let's do that. <laughs> so um, first, like, so she shows us that being a TV host isn't being a journalist. It used to be. It used to be synonymous with that's, that. That's the point I was trying to make right, earlier. Right, is that yes. you are... Um, in in the internet, sometimes in people, our greatest strengths are also our greatest weaknesses, and I think that comes out in society. In that the internet and social media is one of our greatest strengths and also one of our greatest weaknesses, because she's going to produce things that are going to get people talking, that are going to mm-hmm. get people sharing, that are going to get us talking about it right now, and that furthers her, for better or worse. Donald Trump has showed us that the in my mind the idea of and and we can. Segue into our conversation, and this is going to be total like down a crazy hole. But like the idea of having a president anymore is 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 kind of ridiculous, um, and, and the idea that you know somebody can be elected by less than the majority of the people in the country, 
And, this has happened twice in our lifetime. And then allow, and then be allowed to, you know, run amok with with executive orders and everything, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, how you feel about it is is still kind of crazy. You know that that one person is supposed to represent three hundred million people, and what's best for them is kind of nuts. Joe Rogan has been talking about that topic for probably like the last year. And uh, yesterday's episode, he had Michael Malice on. And it's a two and a half or two hour and forty two minute conversation about uh, North Korea and Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Malice actually went to Pyongyang, which is the capital of North Korea, and uh, wrote the unauthorized autobiography of Kim Jong Il. Wow, badass motherfucker for some Poland like some shit like that, dude. On. How do you go there? Like, they. Are, I would be he, so scared that I'd never make it out. He was talking about how it wasn't scary because they were putting on a facade for him. Like he went to a restaurant and they wasted all of this food. Like they built a restaurant. Uh, like near the hotel he was staying in, he was the only person in the restaurant. But the waitress that was working put out food at every single table and then told him that they had all had left. Which is that not, all the people had left? Yes. So why did you put out the food though? Because they're putting up a facade. That I know, but that doesn't even wrong. like the excuse doesn't make sense. Is what and I'm saying. That's like, what I'm saying. But like she can't say no because she's being televised and she is not going to speak against the great leader. Right. And right. This is not beyond North Korea by any stretch of the imagination. Because back in the 90s, when North Korea was going through that famine, the United Kingdom stepped in and was trying to give. Or I'm sorry, the United Nations stepped in and tried giving them food. Well, when they took went in. They would not give them a Korean-speaking speaking translator, so they were basically getting shown around by a North Korean advisor, but couldn't communicate with them. So on the first day, they went to a um, prospering village. They were getting fed. They were having a good life. The second day, they went to another prosperous village. The third day, they went back to the first village and expected them not to realize that it's a different village, because in the United Nations... I don't know if there's some law that like you have three days to prove that they need help or you can't do anything. Well, because Kim Jong-il was so hard trying to put on this facade that everything was okay, that the United Nations was like, these fuckers literally aren't going to let us help them. And so they bailed. And so um, he's talking about all these things like North Korea is nothing... They're all technical captives, including Kim Jong-un, who is the current leader, that they physically cannot change their fascist society because they would be killed for it. In North Korea, on a weekly basis, they are going to group meetings and confessing things that they did wrong and snitching on other people on what they did wrong. And so they can never fight back because literally everybody is watching everybody looking for something to tattletale on. Right. And so he's talking about all these things like one person can't rule an entire country. And no. and it turns back to Joe Rogan's like, yeah, we got one guy in charge of 300 million people. And it wasn't right. even at a shot at Donald Trump. It's a shot at it the was system. A, at the system, yes. Right. It's completely flawed. And, and this is why we have to communicate with each other as American citizens and why we have to put some trust in each other in that if we have as much control as possible, because that's what can happen when you give all your resources mm-hmm. to the government and say, oh, yeah, you distribute those or you take you know, all of my resources or I'll donate my, my time or, or whatever – 
and then they have control of that, that means that, that we lose the power. And if they decide to do something that we don't want, we have no control over that. And if then, you know, that's where elections start getting rigged, where you're like, no, we're going to vote and, and, and we're going to show that we don't want this thing. And then, you know, all that happens. But so that's where we, we you can start going down that trail when mm-hmm. you start giving government all that power. That's why we have to communicate with each other and have to try to trust each other a little bit, find better ways to communicate so that way we can have more power and we can kind of make the decisions as a whole. Um, the thing that bothers me is our founding fathers literally wrote into our basic human rights that we have the right to rebel against the tyranny. Well, because they were rebelling against the tyranny. Exactly. I mean, that's we the whole point. are physically unable to fight back because we would lose everything and get killed. I Again, I've pointed out very frequently that I am not a Donald Trump fan. I don't agree with most of his policies. At the end of the day, he is currently our president. I got to back the man. He's the president. No big deal. At the end of the day, why are we putting one man in charge of 300 million people? And people are going to argue, well, we have a checks and balance system. Yeah, because that works so damn well. Yeah, I mean, it, when when you see the amount of executive orders that have been written and all the things that have been done in that short amount of time, the point of the checks and balances system was so that laws took a long time to get created. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to have a system where we were making breakneck decisions. We're just like, okay, this one thing happened. We need to respond immediately with a law. We don't want that, guys. We want things to move slowly. And I know people get frustrated with government as far as like it moves slowly or, or whatever. But that's what you want. My issue with the government is everybody's taking sides. We're Americans, period. Right. This whole Republicans and Democrats thing, it's such an asinine concept because re- do you remember back, I think this was our senior year, did you take Walt's government? No, I was with uh, um, Davis. Well, uh, one of Walt's things, because from what I remember, he was not a government fan. Because um, I want to say this was our senior year, but when one of the congressmen filibustered for 13 hours so a bill wouldn't be passed. Yeah, it's happened a few times. So and that baffles me. Like, If you don't like something, f- find a way to fix it. And when you fix it, don't put stupid-ass clauses in that make absolutely zero sense just to get a bill passed. Right. Like, it just baffles me that they're fighting with each other and making no progress just because they're basing all of their decisions off of the fact that they're either left or right wing. Yeah, I mean, political parties have become the absolute worst of us. Amen. Uh, because you start to have to fit yourself into these boxes and you have to start to take sides and... And and you end up being on extremes of of either end, and it's kind of ridiculous. Um, you know, you can let common sense kind of take hold when you start to say we are going to make a decision as a collective instead of saying we're going to elect somebody who's going to tell us that they're going to do some things, and then we're going to send them off to Washington D.C. Yep. and they're going to do things for us that are supposed to represent us, but they're going to represent us for 30 years and never even live here and, and that's stuff. that's it baffles me. It, it's crazy, man. Like, there's absolutely, like, the one thing, what I didn't like about this election was there was no debating. By the time it came down to just Hillary and Trump, they were just throwing accusations at each other and being schoolyard bullies with each other. Right. The first thing I noticed I saw after Trump was elected was his 100-day plan, and his step one was term limits on Congress. Motherfucker, I would have voted for you just off of that attempt. Sure. Why was this never brought up 
absolutely ever. Granted, it's not something that'll ever get passed, and sadly, I understand that. You could have won the popular vote just by admitting you were going to try to make that kind of change. That's politics, though, man, because you want Congress to work for you. So if you want to do anything else as but Congress president... Congress doesn't work for us. Congress works for big No, no, companies. no. As, as president, oh, I'm saying. Yeah. We're like, if you want anything to get passed, if you want anything to get done, you're going to need at least congressmen voting for you. And they want that career. They want that job. So if you say, well, probably going to put term limits on y'all. They're not going to like that. They're not going to work with you. They don't care. I mean, that's that's their livelihood and that they're taking I, I away. I want to know who in the past that came up with this. Like, no, yeah, just let them do this for life. Like, right. And what bothers me the most is the people that are in it for life aren't politicians. They're businessmen. And the issue I see with the fact that they're businessmen is they don't look at people as people. They looked at them as factors. They're willing to sacrifice us for their bottom line. Which their bottom line always ends up in money. They uh, during Barack's presidential term, Republicans just bitched and moaned about the health care system. They had eight years to come up with a new health care plan. By the time Trump's with the plan, they didn't have shit twice. Right. Y'all motherfuckers bitched for eight years. Yeah. Had eight years to come up with something, and by the end of it, they're like. Man, I, as a Republican, can't even vote on this. Mm-hmm. What the fuck were y'all doing this whole time? Well, I mean, that's a good question. And, and the, the the answer is just trying to take political capital. I mean, just trying to... There's there's plenty of people... When anything that big happens, like universal health care, which, by the way, it, it really wasn't universal health care. I mean, <laughs> no. Obamacare is not universal health care. It, it's really like, I guess, universal health insurance. You know, it, it, it's not like I can... Like in Croatia or something, if I went and visited Croatia right now and I fell and I broke my arm, I could go into the hospital, get fixed, and walk out. Yep. That's universal health care, just so everybody knows. So it, it really wasn't. It really wasn't that. Um, and but they're gaining political capital because something that big happens. We're like, we're gonna we're gonna take this health insurance industry and we're gonna turn it on it on its head. A lot of people are gonna be happy and a lot of people are gonna be really mad. So if you just posture and say, well, they did the thing that's going to make people happy. Well, let's try to take the the people that are really mad. And that's what they did. It, it's crazy to me when you hear so many Trump supporters in interviews and things like that where they say, well, I really want, you know, Obama was a problem because of Obamacare. And then you ask them, you know, like, what are their, what are your goals? What do you want to happen out of a president? And they're like, well, I want welfare and I want health care and I want all the all this all this government funding. And you're like you're literally voting against that. Yep. That's not like it's just basic understanding, but when you talk in rhetoric and just try to gain political capital with people, you can secure a lot of votes that way. Uh and, and I think that's kind of what we've seen. And it just baffles me that people are opposed to universal health care. Like I understand that financially it's not plausible, and I'm okay with that. Just make it affordable. I tried being an adult and getting my own basic health insurance. They wanted to charge me $485 a month. Uh-huh. What? Yeah. That makes absolutely zero sense. I have a uh, skin condition that's kind of like the, uh, the skin version of, like, cold sores, like... I carry the herpes gene, and so, like, when I get really hot, like, I break out in hives almost. Mm-hmm. 
Well, um, it got so bad, um, this was last summer, I think it was like chemicals I was working with at Olive Garden, and it got so bad, it went onto my face, went into my eyelids, and so when I closed my eyes, it was scratching my eyes. I realized by, it was like 11.30 at night, I couldn't see, so I had to go to the emergency room. They charged me $1,000 for being in there for 32 minutes. In that 32 minutes... The doctor came in, looked at me, and said, I don't, uh, she said, I know what's wrong with you. There's nothing I can do about it. That's fine. Her next comment was, I don't know anything about this. Google it. Once again, fine. Do not be, as a doctor, don't throw endless amounts of testing at me for money. Yeah, don't pretend. Exactly. Good, and so at the end there. of it, she said, take this steroid and take Benadryl and it'll clear up. And that's exactly what happened. So in 32 minutes, I was um, diagnosed, found what I needed to get done, and left. I had insurance. My father's insurance isn't the greatest insurance, but I was insured. And I still got a bill for $1,000 for them to tell me to take Benadryl. Yeah. How the fuck does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm not saying like, I physically can't afford a $1,000 bill. I have medical, like, I run into, like, joint issue that I need to go to a doctor for it, and I can't convince myself to go to the doctor because I can't afford that medical bill. Yeah. And that blows my mind that people aren't okay with paying a little extra in their taxes to make it a little easier for the little man. Well, it's it's a sad thing. Um, I think my issue that I find with it is that, yeah, it needs, it needs to be better. Um, it just, it's crazy to me when people... I see so many people now that like Bernie Sanders is such a popular figure. Yep. There were so many people that supported Bernie Sanders, and then it was clear that Bernie Sanders was not going to really be running for president. And then Rigged. a lot of those people, yeah. <laughs> and then a lot of those people were like all of a sudden like, "Oh, I'm a libertarian now." It's like, dude, that like that's really opposite. Like those are two really, really <laughs> yeah. different things. And so I guess. Like I don't agree with the libertarian platform, and I don't try to put a put a name on my political beliefs, but I just cringe at the thought of things where I have to give more resources to the government and trust that they will handle that money properly when they have not shown a good track record of handling money. <laughs> and and then you I mean need the to tr- trillions of dollars we're in debt. Exactly. Oh, no, they're yeah. really great with it. And then we need to trust trust them to make sure that we all get health care. And what I would say is is everybody okay with our public school system? No. No, nobody is. Who the fuck put this bitch in? Well, that's another conversation. That's, that's but, but I mean this Jesus. has been this has been years and years of problems. I mean the factory school system was set in what like the 1890s or something. Yeah. So would you want our healthcare system to look like the public school system? No. Fuck no, man. <laughs> so when I when I think if I put it in those terms, no, I don't want universal healthcare. Like, am I happy giving some more money to help people? Yeah, but like, fucking donate to charity, then, man. You know, like at least you have some choice. Donate your time. Become a doctor. I don't give a fuck. But I don't want to. It's just tough for me to give more money um, to the government and then trust them to do the right thing with and it. And I'll agree with that 100% because the uh, what pissed me off about uh, Trump's stance with dropping the MOAB bomb mm-hmm. was 
I, was that the one that went on you know, on Syria? Yes. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. Syria got the uh, bombing that they bombed that airstrip. Yeah. Uh, the the MOA beam I think dropped on Afghanistan and killed like forty four ISIS members. Okay. They basically uh, there's like a tunnel system they couldn't get to, so they dropped the world's largest bomb next to nuclear to get to the tunnel because they couldn't find a, they couldn't get to this tunnel to stop them transporting. Yeah. Yeah. Dope. I understand your uh, your. Uh, your stance of sewing, you're not playing games, and you're going to make moves. I'm cool with that. Dropping billions of dollars for no fucking reason twice in a week. Motherfucker, you could have turned that money into, you could have saved Meals on Wheels you canceled. You yeah. could stop cutting funding for the EPA. If we took just 10% out of the military funding, our economy would be fucking substantially better. Yeah, um, I think that, in my opinion, there's there's just a few things that the government should do for its people, and one of those things is protect them. Yes. So I don't I don't really like go against military spending, and if we're if we're gonna spend a lot of money to drop bombs or to have drones or whatever the fuck that's gonna stop uh, us from having boots on the ground, then I say that's a good thing. I agree with you. There's a lot of things that's been canceled that aren't necessarily great. Again, Meals on Wheels, I, I get that. But I, I believe in the aftermath of that, a lot of people stepped up and, and the, the program became self-funded through donations and I, stuff I like see that. Point, but my big issue was he literally just threw billions of dollars in the trash for a pissing contest. Well, it was – I mean if the idea is to stop – and again, I'm not I'm not supporting the move necessarily. I don't know enough about it to support it or, or, or say – you know, he shouldn't have done it. Um, the, the the other thing is that the media, and this will kind of probably transition us into uh, this whole thing started, is is that the way that numbers get get tossed around, a lot of times they're wrong. Like, I remember um, it may have been that bomb. I thought it was the bomb on Syria. I may be getting the two confused because uh, you said that was the biggest bomb next to nuclear. And I think, like, the technology it takes to build the bomb, like, whatever they had to do... Mm-hmm. Say you're making a product. Um, say you're going to start a shoe company and you're going to start, you know, like producing shoes. Well, you have to build the warehouse that's going to have the equipment in it to start building, to start creating the shoes. Well, was your cost on that shoe the cost of the whole warehouse? No. No. So the but MOAB the, bomb was it was going to expire, and they used it because they put all that money into it and didn't want to waste it. Wow. Yeah. So. I, I don't know the exact pricing, for but it, I know that but. there was there was a difference of like the 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 software and like whatever it took to be able to create the bomb was different than the cost of the actual bomb. Oh, I know what you're referencing. When the uh, after the bombs on Syria were dropped, people were talking yes. about how each missile costs like 1.82 million dollars. When in actuality, the missiles in themselves only cost like five hundred thousand dollars. Right? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah, even. I, it wasn't I, even as much. I recall what you're talking. So, about. like, dude, it's it's hard. It's it's so hard um, to to trust and to judge those things. And I think the thing that we've learned with Trump, at very least, is that before um, when Obama was president, even if you were a Republican and, and you disagreed with his ideals. You can still have respect for that person. You can still respect their intelligence and who they are. And you can say, you know, the majority of people, obviously, there was a lot of people who didn't like him or, you know, thought oh, he was we've whatever. We've had that conversation. Sure. But the, uh, but, but the majority at least respected the guy and respected his intelligence and his ability to make decisions. So you had some, you had some trust in that. And now 
every decision that Donald Trump is going to make is going to be dissected and used to say whether or not he's competent because we literally don't know if he is. And I think that's the first time we've had that case. And, and what we've done now is we've created, I think we you kind of get what you give in life. And I think we've created a society that really values celebrity over culture. Yes. And because of that, somebody like that becomes president. And then I fucking just hate it because now we're seeing stuff like, oh, well, Zuckerberg will try to be president. Dwayne John, <laughs> the fucking rock will try to be president. Mark Cuban will try to be president. Guys, this isn't fucking working, man. I know we don't like politicians, but hey, we kind of need them. Just like nobody likes lawyers, but when you need to sue somebody, you fucking call one. The one thing I actually liked about Trump becoming president was he truly showed anybody could be president. But it's bullshit. Not everybody should be president. That's what I'm saying. We need people like Elon Musk. And I'm not saying, Elon Musk, do not step up and take control because we need you to keep doing what you do. Yeah. You are progressing the world and thank you for that. But we need individuals like, we need individuals that are truly looking to better the world in charge. Not Not people that are looking to continue lining their pockets. And here's the other thing. In position to make change, I would say, because... That doesn't we we look at the president like they are just fucking everything, like they do all of the things and and they don't man like it's it's senators it's congressmen it, it's the representatives it's the cabinet it's you know uh, it's our local government it, it's your city council um, you know it's your federal employees it's your teachers like. We're all changing the world in our own way, and I don't think we can look at the president just like this is the one. This is the one person um, who, who like, yeah, they have the most control, um, but we can't look at that like. What am I trying to say here? We we just can't say that they're the end all be all because because they aren't. I think what what this has shown is, when, is it's put a I light. Say, like when people call them the most powerful person in the world, they're really not. You could argue that they are because at the end of the day, Trump physically can drop nukes on the entire world. Yeah, they're they're the queen on a chessboard. You know, like they're the most powerful piece, but, but they can still be taken out. Right, and they're still a part of a and they're still a part of a greater system. Mm-hmm. That we need to look at as a whole, and, and I think that's kind of the frustrating thing. Is it's like, okay, that that's all well and good, guys. Like that we don't like the president, but have you looked at at the other people in charge? Ha- have we have we started to to kind of break that down and 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 who else is you know in power? But then, you know, like like I said, I, I think we need just need smaller government in general. And then you know, if you think Elon Musk is great, then then go support Elon Musk. You know, and like go buy. Tesla and go buy those I those wish. products. I know. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> go be be in support of those products, and then let him affect change in the world in his own way. You know, like we all love The Rock, and let him affect change in his own way by making movies and not being fucking president. Yeah, and let's support Mark Cuban. No way. And let's support Mark Cuban for for you know in the Rock building defense, businesses. Though, I mean, Sh- Arnold Schwarzenegger ended up being a pretty decent governor. Was he? Yeah. From my understanding, like the little bit of research I've done was he was fairly popular. And I don't, I'm sure that can be skewed because he was a movie star. Right. But Name he got elected twice. I mean. So he was clearly doing something okay. Good for him. 
Yeah, it, to I'm my memory, what I heard is that he just thin, hadn't done but, much. But like again, being a governor and being president are two yeah. very different things. I mean, we saw that with Jeb Bush. Like Jeb Bush was loved in Florida, and uh, when he was up for his reelection, he was one of the greatest debaters. And then when it came to this election, he just kind of folded. Like, yeah, I really dude. Don't they all do folded. Shit. I mean, they was, all folded. Seeing like Trump being up there. Fucking change the game, man. And the other thing that bothers me is it's like, okay, so CNN and all these other news networks fucking hate him now, right? And like want to talk all this shit. Like you you said, put him in center stage. Yep. You did this. What drives me insane in, in Trump's defense is he literally can do no right. They are not giving him – they yeah. literally made a news article about he got two scoops of ice cream while everybody got one. Yeah. He's a big man. Motherfucker likes some ice cream. Leave him alone. Dude. Like, y'all really wasting my time of watching the news to tell me he got two scoops of ice cream? You're telling me you're going to go get Joe ice cream. Biden did the same fucking thing. Did you see that motherfucker eat some ice cream? It's delicious. All the though. goddamn time. Like, you're telling me that you're going to go to ice cream and only get one <laughs> scoop? You're the problem. It's, like, come on, like, communist. Get the, out of here. Give the man a chance. Like, he's our president now. We can't change that. Well, here's the thing is I think what he's doing the majority of people in America disagree with. So just report the facts and that should be enough. But the problem is is that you give other people and people like me, I'm kind of a contrarian to be honest with you. A lot of times I'll say opinions that aren't really my own just because I want to have the debate. Oh just yeah. because I, do I that want shit all the time. Just because I want people to see the other side. I want to talk about it. I want to have the discussion. Like that's the joy for me. So a lot of times the problem is like, yeah, you report on something like as trivial as ice cream and Dude, there's a million other things you could say that would just be facts. They wouldn't be opinion. They, they would just be the fact. Here's what he did. Everything is just so biased now. And people like, would disagree Just with report the facts. Period. I don't care your opinion on it. I don't care what your news stations get paid for to tell you to say. Like, Just say it as it is. Period. We don't care about anything else. And this is why a Trump, a Trump presidency, as long as it doesn't kill us all, is a good thing in my opinion. Because... Do you think he'll last four years? Do I, uh, like in what way? I honest to God, the way he's been acting lately, I don't know if just the fact of what he's been doing lately has truly been exhausting him with his age, but I feel like he honest to God would be the first president to by choice resign. I don't think I don't think he likes being president. I don't think he'll run for a second term. See, I don't even think he, I don't think he'd make it to four years. Like I think by the end of the day, he'd sit down like. Because he's already admitted he doesn't like the even less privacy he was already getting before he was president. Yeah. He he's he just repeatedly admits like he canceled his foreign tour because he's too tired. Yeah. I mean my Maybe it, it's just his age, which but is funny. I really don't know if I could see him actually putting up this for it. Because he fucking hates it and it's obvious. Right. It's funny though, because he talks so much about stamina, you know, on, <laughs> on the campaign trail. And now we're like, dude, is he even going to be able to do this? But I think I, if I had to guess, you know, I, I've been seeing all that. And I feel like he will kind of mail it in here. And then, you know, after the first year or so. And then he won't really do as much as everybody thinks that he's going to do. And then, you know, he'll just kind of ride off the into the sunset. The president everything they say they're going to do? No! <laughs> Not even, like, do much of anything. Like, he's already done a bunch of shit that he 
said that he wasn't going to do. Drain the swamp. But, oh, wait, let's just keep filling this yeah, shit. Yeah, fill the More swamp. More crocodiles. Go, That's go, true. go, go. <laughs> but I, I think he won't do as much uh, of, of anything. He'll just kind of do the – I think he'll kind of turn into a populist. He'll kind of yeah, do what's popular. And My then, real fear is, like we have stated, Mike Pence somehow coming in charge. Yeah, I mean, Mike Pence... Um, Cocksucker. Oh, so, wait. Wow, all right. Conversion uh, therapy, it works, remember? S- Stephen Sorry, Colbert. Um, <laughs> so, full disclosure, I used to live in Fort Wayne, and I attended a church for a while there where the pastor, the head pastor there, had a personal relationship with Mike Pence. No they, shit. When he, he had ran for office uh, at the same time that Mike Pence had first run for any sort of office. And he knew him and claimed that he was a good guy. I knew this guy personally, so by that I've met Mike Pence. I used to work at a at a radio station, and I forgot about. Um, that. I met him personally and spent some time with him, and and he seemed like a nice guy. Again, you know, they're they're, they're small things, but I think again he's a good person, but he's kind of a literal theocrat. You know, like he wants to run the country based off of religion and separation of church and state. I don't know when this was forgotten. Yeah, and it's so it's just kind of a it's just kind of a dangerous thing, but well, it's not really forgotten because, I mean, when you have the office of the presidency, there's a lot of things that you can do, and and it's and it's just up to your own, I guess, your own thought process, your own decision making. So just like that, when George Bush says, uh, "Well, God told me to invade Iraq," that's not really looked at as like oh, well, shit, we need to stop that because separation of church and state. No, it's because we gave the president the power and he has to make the decision based on what he knows and religion is a thing that he knows. So that that's the dangerous thing um, about Pence. While I don't think he's a bad person, everybody makes him out like he is. Like, obviously, the conversion therapy shit's, like, really fucked up. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know if he's as bad as we all think that he is. I think he's just kind of misguided. I mean, the made and, him worse than it already is, but... The funniest thing I have seen in the last week, though, was you know how the small percentage of the Notre Dame students walked out on his commencement speech? Yeah. One girl, I don't know if you saw this, but one lady in the front row stood up and turned around and had painted her cap rainbow and stood there with her back turned to him and her cap pointing at him his entire speech. Dude. (laughs) And the thing is, though... Like, it's hilarious, and, like, we all get to laugh at it, but, you know, Pence is up there. He doesn't give a fuck, exactly, dude. He doesn't care. He doesn't that's care. That's some creative thinking, though. Like, instead of walking out, I'm going to make him look at my gay ass. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, when he's talking, he's glancing over, like, there's that fucking hat again. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> and Throwing I, him off his game. I just, like, we talked, this was what sparked the whole conversation the other day, was um, so many people are pissed off about... Notre Dame's student reaction to them walking out. First and foremost, they exercised their right freedom of speech. On top of that, they did it correctly. They got permission from Notre Dame. Right. They alerted the police that they were going to make this happen. Like you said over Messenger, Berkeley needs to take notes oh God, on please. what they did. And they And the one comment I kept seeing was... How are they going to survive in the re- real world when their boss or when their boss is talking about things they don't agree with? Are you just going to walk out? I'm like, how the fuck does that correlate? That's like, not even. That's not any of the same. That's, that's not a the same baseball thing. field and fucking a pool. Like, listen, what? They just graduated from Notre Dame. They know how to listen to somebody talk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's stupid. So, but that's the thing. Like, 
everybody wants to hate on millennials so you know they look for any example like that to do it oh god dude we're the fucking i hate myself oh yeah are you joking me i mean come on so but (laughs) it's like yeah berkeley so you see berkeley you know we really do hate ourselves as a whole (laughs) (laughs) like at the end of the day we look in the mirror like fuck i hate myself get on twitter for like two hours and tell me that there's not like everybody hates themselves (laughs) like they do so the the uc berkeley stuff um there's been a couple of times where really so much further than i truly expected it to what berkeley yeah i mean i thought it was just gonna be another protest that burnt out right where super polarizing figures were supposed to speak there guys like milo yiannopoulos people like ann coulter and stuff like that and then the students go fucking and the professors by the way i mean there's adults there's staff there's i didn't know staff got oh yeah there was i thought it was you could assume but i honest to god figured it was just the students no i mean it's it's just people on campus i mean uc berkeley is just a left-wing just thought bubble you know there's no free market exchange of ideas in there so man i haven't thought about like that that's very good point and that's a problem man that's a problem when you're not throwing ideas out when everybody's just like Oh, we're all going to agree on this? All right, cool, cool. And then somebody comes in and they want to You need to play devil's advocate. You, you, So many people need to learn to see the other side. I think the best thing for them to do, if you didn't want these people to speak there or, or whatever. Then don't go. Don't fucking go, man. <laughs> don't go. Like, have them show up. Welcome welcome them. The smartest thing I ever heard was like when, the, when Trump was holding all these events and people were trying to get the free tickets and then not go. So it would be empty. That's fucking hysterical, man. Like that's it's awesome. Funny, like- Game the system. Do that. But when you start, like you said earlier, free speech, defend it until you die. I wholeheartedly agree. Yep. So when you start saying this person is not going to be allowed to speak here because I'm going to throw the a literal thing. fucking tantrum <laughs> and cause tens of thousands of dollars in damage. You know so many fathers were sitting at home like, I'm going to beat this bitch's ass. Seriously. I'm paying all this money for you to... Th- we in the grocery store all over again. Right, right. But we've heard, I've heard, at least I have, I've heard so many people say stuff like, well, they were asking for it. Come on, what are you doing? You're going to UC Berkeley. You know people are going to be upset. That's dumb as fuck, man. Like, let let people's ideas happen. Let let people talk. Listen you know to them. America debate works. them. Difference of opinion. That's what, like, that's how we reach conclusions. That's how problems get solved. But the issue is, is now in government, it used to be, Everybody agreed, here are the problems. And then people sat down and tried to figure out the solutions to those problems. We don't even agree on what the problems are anymore. <laughs> we don't even know. Like, we don't know what's what going on. What are we on. fighting over again? Ah, man, it's been I, like nine years. I'm yeah. really not sure. <laughs> I don't know. So Berkeley is like, I, I think that that to me is like just the worst of it, where you're seeing that people are totally closed-minded. And it's so funny to me that it's... which. Mind you, I'm not here to hate on liberals. I- I'm, I'm here to hate on people that are closed-minded. And I think it's funny that there's a lot of liberals who are supposedly for open-mindedness and for freedom. and, and, and Until then, you disagree. Until you disagree with them. Unless yeah. you disagree with them. Be whoever you want to be. Unless you're not exactly like me, then fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> what? And I'm so terrified to raise a daughter in this world. Like I'm, Every day I look at her and I'm like, how do I want to explain the world to you? Dude, good luck, man. I, re- I remember right after Trump was elected, I posted a I made a post on Facebook that pissed a lot of people off. It was uh, my daughter asking me what was the year I was born like, and I said, "Well, the Cubs won the World Series, and then Donald Trump became president." Yeah, 
it was fucking funny. It was all uphill and downhill there. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a hundred comments of just people pissed the fuck off. And I'm I'm a writer. I've been a writer my entire life. I'm the freedom the First Amendment's my favorite amendment. Like any way, shape, or form, speak your mind. You are entitled to it. Do not let anybody silence you. Right. And I look at my daughter and I'm like, you are literally like you can do no wrong because you don't understand like you're just this little ball of joy that's discovering the world and you're so excited with everything you meet and one day i'm gonna have to put you out in the world and you're like this world fucking sucks right do that's i a tough realization am i gonna be that dad that tells you how the world really is and just kind of lets you have a negative view of the world or do i try to teach you that there's silver linings to everything and you have to kind of find that silver lining in the fucking years of dark clouds like it's it's not fair. We're I don't know how I want to phrase this, but we're regardless of the fact we're literally killing the world, but we're killing the world for future generations to truly be happy and explore. Because we were the last generation that played outside without cell phones. We would stay out until streetlight, until mom and dad were yelling from down the road like, shit, we're going to get our asses whooped because we're late for dinner. Mm-hmm. Now you look at kids like, go outside and like, no, 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 I'm going to stay inside and play my tablet. They have the entire world literally at the palm of their hands. And I don't know if it's like this nostalgia in me that I'm like, we need to go back to children being children to discover the world like – they need to learn that if they fall and scrape their knee, it's not the end of the world. You're going to heal. You're fine. Right. Now everybody's so fucking coddled and cradled and, oh, I'm sorry. You're hurt. Here's $100. It's fine. Like, well, but now, now a knee scrape could be a negative comment on your Instagram post. You know, like, dude, it's just different. Like, in, in my opinion, you know, people are super fucking complex and we can only we're all snowflakes at the end of the day seriously though like we all are very different there's a lot of things that unite us but people are complex and layered and we can only interact with the world as it is presented to us and we can go out and we can try to change those little things and we can try to change ourselves to to better the whole And, and that's all great but you just can't control what other people do you know so and the other thing is, none of us have the answers. I think we all need to keep that in mind. So, like, there's, like, I agree with you. It, it, like, the nostalgia in me says, man, it sucks that kids aren't growing up like I did. Because, like, I loved my childhood. Like, that was a cool thing. You can't see, but I still have an Xbox, a GameCube, and a 64 sitting down there. Because when I just, when the f- wireless controller gets to me, I'm like, nope, I need something wired. And I got to sit really close to this TV. That is what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the same time... If that's what those kids enjoy, if that's if they interact with the world in that way and they find some sort of happiness out of it, then then cool, you know. Because we I, didn't... I see your point, but I truly think it is making this next generation soft. They're not. Experience... Is it necessary to be hard anymore? Then would be the would be the question. I, I see your point, but I don't know. I I kind of feel like we are. I want to say almost like the ideal generation because we were raised on our parents' ideals that hard work will get you places, but we're young enough to realize that's not true. You need to know people to actually hit the next plateau. So we found a way that 
we've 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 taught ourselves that we truly can make this on our own. I went to college with money paid out of my pocket. I had to get student loans with no co-signers by myself because and I I learned everything about college and how to get there by googling everything because nobody in my family's been to college. They never knew how to hire their education and so I was basically winging everything and it's biting me in the ass now. So on one end, my parents taught me at the end of the day, like, work hard, you'll be successful, you'll have a great life. I work 70 hours a week. We're in my home right now, and it's not a fucking mansion, but it's a pretty nice place, like, 1,500 square feet. Like, I bust my ass for this, but I bust my ass to make ends meet, and no matter how hard I work, I'm not going to meet that next plateau until I meet the correct people. I think... That's all awesome. And I, I ranted think, a lot, and I'm not really sure what my point was there. I'm sorry, guys. I think your point was you're a great guy. And, like, that's <laughs> and like that's cool, man. But you started with we're the ideal generation, but, like, you and I both know a lot of shitty people. You know, I, I think I think you have complete confirmation bias. I, I just think we all do in that. It's like, yeah, my life was good, so other people should try to, like, follow this script. Like, this is cool. If you're not completely fucking miserable. Man, we really do know a lot of shitty people. We do, man. Like, we do. I didn't think about that, but fuck. So, I can't say we're ideal. And, and the thing is, like, dude, it's different times. So, if these kids, like, if they're going to be soft or whatever. And the other thing to remember, they're fucking kids, man. Like, kids are soft. Like, in general. Like, we were probably soft. Like, people probably said some shit to me that made me cry. There's not a single thing anybody could say to me now as a grown adult that would make me cry. But I guarantee you I cried over some words when I was young. <laughs> like, we're soft. That just that, kinda That's happened. a fair point. Like, things change and, you know, the, the, just the world is complicated, man. And I think we're running into a problem where everybody's super opinionated and everybody has a voice, which can be a good thing. Because we can get a lot of really good information that way. I think the issue, though, is we're – I don't know what caused this, but I feel like overall as a whole, we're, we know we have a voice, but we're scared to enforce it and back ourselves up. I've noticed a lot of people in our generation, when they face opposition, they retreat. They don't know how to handle difference of opinion. I think we're scared to be ignorant. I think nobody can admit anymore, I don't know. I think that's really. I think you get thrown into that's conversations a fair way to look at that. where you're like, okay, uh, somebody says something to you, and then you're like, oh, I think I think this about that thing, and then you're like, yeah, but why? I'm like, shit, man, I never got that far. <laughs> I know, like, I wasn't ready for a follow up. They just want opinion. Like, dude, it's it's headline culture. You know, like we get the headline, we kind of skim the article, and then like you feel like you're good on it because there's so many voices, there's so much noise that there's a lot to take in. So. If you can't admit that you're ignorant and you can also fact check everybody, you're going to find out a lot of people are full of bullshit. <laughs> and I think that's been true for a long time, but Google wasn't always around, you know? Do you ever realize like how much we crutch Google? Mm. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> like, think about like just how much. like They run the world, man. I guarantee on average I open Google 25 times a day. Sometimes it's on little shit like spell checking a word like is this truly how that's worked and right. as complex as me diving into the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories yeah you just never know what kind of day it's gonna be but think about the fact like we're pretty attached to google and like i can't truly 
think about how minuscule our education would be without a power tool like that. Yeah. Because libraries are pretty much dead at this point, and that makes me sad. But at the same time, I don't want to sit at a library all day finding books to try to see my opinion on something, go have that debate, and get stumped with, oh, shit, like I didn't think about that. Hold on. Let me go back to this library. Right. And that's why I agree with you, like the crutch of Google, where I don't – I don't feel at all that we're the ideal generation. And the thing that I hope for the next generation yeah, that they we get. Yeah, talk about it. Fuck our generation. <laughs> is that we, <laughs> we don't have the ability to sort information. Like, we're great at getting information. Like, we're awesome at, like, finding a bunch of shit out. But then, you know, you find a bunch of shit out. You say, I'm not ignorant to anything. I can talk about any subject. But you don't really know anything. You can't sort information. You can't figure out what's right, what's wrong, what's what's advertising, what is you know this other person? Just because you can say the words, delusion that doesn't mean you know what they mean. Exactly, exactly. We're we're reading scripts. You know, that's a it's, good way to look at that. So it's it's like, it, so it becomes frustrating because then everybody talks on everything and everybody has their opinions and stuff, and it, it just it muddies the waters. So I hope that the next generation, I hope that, that they, they grow up and I hope that they spend all their time on the internet and I hope that they use Google a ton and I hope that they realize and become smart consumers and smart intakers of, of, of information and realize that a lot of people are on some bullshit <laughs> and a lot of people are going to try to lie to you and a lot of people are going to try to get you. But if you're able to realize what's right and, what, and, and what's wrong, then you're going to be set. But the thing that I think the issue now is with that right and wrong is no longer right and wrong. There's such a large gray area. And I have this debate quite often with people. um, um, Self-defense and defense of a third party, I take the Second Amendment fairly strong for. Um, I don't carry yet because I don't have my concealed carry permit, but I do believe in open carry. But at uh, at the end of the day, you hear all the time about people going to jail for killing someone in the defense of somebody else. Yeah. And that baffles me. Because at the end of the day, growing up, you were taught killing people is bad. Right. But if somebody breaks in my house and I shoot him because he had a gun aimed on you, did I do a good thing or did I do a bad thing? Yeah. And that's such a gray area now. And that's just an example, but there's no good and evil there's no right and wrong anymore there's such a gray area because there's stipulations that are attached to everything and we don't think about it because uh back to the congress on making all these stupid clauses to pass a bill they're kind of in my head i think it's wrong what they're doing because they're ruining the integrity of the bill by adding on these clauses for things that don't even relate to it because that's what they have to do to get the law passed. Right. With there being such a gray area, how what do you what do you teach these future generations? Like you <laughs> listen to people. <laughs> don't go to Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> I remember growing up, Berkeley was like, if you could get into any school, Berkeley, Yale, Princeton, Harvard. It's prestigious, Those were the schools. My daughter ever tells me she's going to Berkeley, I'm smacking the fuck out of her. Like, get the fuck back in your room. No. You, no. Yeah. 
that's a little fucked up, but I think I full-heartedly believe that. <laughs> so, I mean, like, yeah, on the gun rights thing, like, I totally agree with you. Um, I'm all I'm all for gun rights. Um, again, like... I am to an extent. I'm still very conflicted on how I feel about assault rifles. Uh, why? Because everybody... Uh, the post I agree with is uh, the one where it's like pistols are for, like, hand robbers shotguns are for like defending the home assault rifles are defending against the government and i agreed with that because they broke down like the basic gun groups and why they reused that and i see the point but uh when the uh the movement went around that people were carrying assault rifles around like grocery stores and mcdonald's why like i don't because that's still that's still excessive, and I don't think that's necessary. And I don't think it is either, and I don't think we should defend that. But I think the problem is, is again, we, you start to push on things that seem like common sense. Like, why do you not want people to have guns? Why do you want the people that – it just baffles me when people are like, yeah, I, w- I don't want to be able to have guns, and I want the government to take 90% of my income. <laughs> and then I'm going to trust that they're going to do everything with it that I want them to do and fucking live life. Like, dude, I don't want to be in Soviet Russia. Please, no, don't yes. do that. Like – so, um, and then somebody like Trump gets elected and we're like, no, seriously, put all the power in the government. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> dude? Like, that's a terrible idea. Mistakes are going to happen. Yeah. So what, what I'm saying is, is I'm, I'm, if, if you give people assault rifles, here's, here's what I would liken it to driving a car. I think if you want to carry a weapon, then you should get your permit and you should take a test and you should get a gun. Oh yeah, and if you want thing is definitely necessary. for sure, and just like a driver's license. Now you want an assault rifle, get a CDL. You know, you want to drive a bigger car, get a CDL license. Get something in addition to that. Say, no, I'm capable of handling an assault rifle. Okay, cool. And then we know you're not a crazy fuck who's you know just. I think I'll agree. Wants to, that. to put I it. I think I'd be okay with that. Wants to put it in McDonald's. So, no, I agree. There needs to be a little bit more of a system. But what people have to understand is that when you look at things like the NRA. You know, it seems like, man, they're crazy and like, oh, you don't want just people to get licenses to have guns? Like, that seems so simple. And that makes sense to a lot of people. But any ground lost is ground lost forever in the political realm. Like, the fact that marijuana is becoming legal legal again, like, is <laughs> insane, man. That never happens. It's taking it's so such a rare. slow and fast toll at the same time. Like, it's weird. Like, yeah. there, there's stages. Like, didn't Illinois just pass medical marijuana? I'm not sure. I could. I think it was one of the northern states, like around home, that just passed. And I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, Indiana's next. Like, right, right. Because I think in, uh, Ohio passed it. And I think I want to say Ohio and Illinois just passed. I I think I read that Ohio did. I didn't hear and, Illinois, uh, but probably it, it's like it's such a slow progress because at the end of the day, I don't see marijuana as a drug. It's it can be psychedelic if you use copious amounts. But I know plenty of people that use it for depression and anxiety, and they do enough just to get back from the edge that they're on. But that's a drug, then. I mean, is Advil not a drug? See, that, see, I see your point, but I don't see Advil as a drug. I understand your point that it is a drug, but my issue is we're allowing people to take these prescription medications that are truly a f- rewiring their brain on a regular basis because they're constantly rewiring it because prescription medication for depression, for example, 
it only lasts a few months at a time, and then you're trying a new drug to make it work again. Yeah. I see marijuana as a plant because it's a plant. Like, I can physically throw it in the ground, and it will grow based off of sunlight and water. There is no man-made manipulation going into that. Yeah, yeah. Now, like, there's also, like, mushrooms, certain mushrooms that'll kill you, you know, and, like, certain plants that will, you know, if you if you take that, you will die, you know? So I think, um, but we don't outlaw those things necessarily. You know, we just kind of leave them up to people's There's no connection to like, you're not shooting people. Like the, the, the cliche argument is alcohol is legal and marijuana is not. And that makes no sense to me. There are no related deaths to marijuana. There are million plus related to alcohol in the last decade. I think, uh, yeah, the the problem is you, you don't want the government saying like you know you say protect your citizens. You don't want them like like yeah, it's a plant. So I don't need you to protect us from our from ourselves. You know, if I know what that thing does, then let me do what I want with it. The argument with that is people know what meth does to them, and they still shoot up meth and then fight cops. But that's man made. You know, like that's okay. That's I, okay, a little see, different yeah. thing. You know, but see, that was my point. Like shrooms, I've never tried shrooms. Um, my psychedelic friends say it's something you should try. It's a good way to kind of like view life in a different manner. I have no interest in trying shrooms. I have no interest in anything that fucks that much with your brain. Exactly. I like, just that's don't want to mess like, with that. I, sm- I, don't smoke, uh, I don't smoke weed very often. I Recreationally, I guess you could argue like I haven't smoked in probably two months. I do smoke though because at times if my anxiety is getting really high – it does mellow me out, and I don't want to put myself on medications that are wiring me in ways that I become a zombie. Yeah. So, all right, on, on my end, I don't drink. I don't do any type of drug. I, I hardly take Advil. Mm-hmm. Like, caffeine is about the hardest thing that I put in my body. But I I get it, um, why other people do it. And I think my only thing with marijuana um, is that it frustrates me that it's getting pushed as medical before recreational just because like and and this isn't this isn't an indictment on marijuana but mm-hmm. this is an indictment just on what we use as medicine i think that we've seen a lot of things with like opioids and uh, you know all these drugs that get put out that are supposed to help people and then 10 years later you're seeing the commercials do you have a a, a loved one who has been hurt by this yeah. thing you know and, and everybody's suing each other and people have died and they're getting cancer from these things let's just take some time and slow down on what we're calling medical so like it frustrates me when i see that states are passing marijuana as medical before we're passing it as a recreational substance i think like so you think it's just kind of backwards. Like, yeah, you don't smoke, but you're okay with it. Yeah, like if you want to do that, go ahead and do that, you know, and, and that's cool. But as far as doctors, you know, prescribing it to people, I just don't know that we know enough about it yet to say what See, it should what I it should be used disagree for. I with that because it's 2017 and my dad is, I think my dad turns 40 this year and he's been smoking since he was 16. I feel like with... Because people have been smoking weed since before before white man came over to the states. Like Native Americans were smoking marijuana. There was it, there was a plant. They they smoked along with their tobacco. 
I personally think they have done enough research where they realized it can be used as med. I see your point that it should be used recreationally before they push medically. And how are you going to push something medically if it can't be used recreationally? That is kind of an ass-backwards argument. But I understand your cautiousness with the fact right. that I'm, you're probably right. They haven't put testing out like they probably did with opioids. And well, that's why I just say like the FDA is really loose with stuff. You know, like people are like people are just. I think a lot of things get approved really quickly, and we don't really know the side effects, and we don't know the proper dosages, and we don't know what it's best used for. And I mean, I've heard marijuana s- s- claimed that it can cure everything from anxiety to cancer. And See, I don't know if I believe it can cure cancer. And like, I've seen it stop like Parkinson's, Parkinson's like a ta- or what's it called when like Parkinson's like have episodes. And yeah, I've seen it stop. Like I've literally seizures seen oil and stuff. stop seizures. Like it's clearly effective. But I see your point. Like in ten years, with the way that weed has turned into a science, yeah, who knows what it can turn into? So what I'm saying is that culture has told us not only is this a cool thing to smoke if you're not sick, if you are sick, it'll help you with a lot of stuff. Cool. So let's say, all right, let people smoke it because that kind they're of makes sense, right? They're they're not hurting other people. But on the other end of this, now laws better be in place that if you do smoke and say you get behind the wheel of a car or say you are high and you're carrying a gun. There better be some pretty hard penalties on that. I think that's. I think you, there needs think, to you be. can look at Denver and Denver. It's probably it's probably because we don't live close enough to see stories. But I haven't seen any negative retaliations come. No, and, from. and again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying um, we can't have our cake and eat it too. Where we just say, like, yeah, just, just free reign have it. Like there needs to be consequences if you are affecting other people's lives. Um, but if it's oh, not yeah, affecting 100%. other people's lives, then then don't then then okay go ahead but now once we have it recreational then let's study it and let's figure out what is it best used to 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 treat because what i would hate is that we run into another situation where it is another opioid yeah i mean i i hate to say that because like Obviously, it doesn't have the same addictive properties. No, but that's a real rational fear to have. About yeah, like I don't want it to. I don't want to see another something like that happen. So let's just let's really test it and let's figure it out and see what it's best used for. See how much people can use of it before it goes negative, if ever. And um, you know, what, the best things to use it for in the best amounts. Man, we've been all over the map today, dude. Isn't that what it's about, though? <laughs> Is that is that what you envisioned when you started this? I mean, what did you want? What did you want this so, to be? Because uh, initi- I thought you were just doing artists. That's what it initially started as. Was um, I started Table Talk as a marketing company to promote creators of some sort? Be you a designer, an artist, a musician. I wanted a way to uh, put you on another platform, but I wanted it to be a way to get to know you on a deeper level because like i said earlier with little yachty like i don't like little yachty's music but i'll watch interviews with little yachty i'm like i like little yachty as a person so i'll go back and listen to his music and i can find it tolerable at that point Mm -hmm. so the initial goal was um say you're starting your own marketing business i get you on the podcast so you can talk about yourself more so people can see you as who you are as a person and then from there like oh maybe i'd want to investigate this more well, uh, along with the podcast, I had launched a initial website, and I had dozens of people lined up that I was going to help. 
well, I pushed back the release three times because by the time I needed all these people to give me... Like, for example, I had a dozen musicians ready to give me their music. So on my website, I had a playlist of genres of all kind where you can go through and it basically be the underground Pandora station. These motherfuckers didn't want to email me a WAV file for me to promote them. And I got very discouraged because... I'm literally trying to do all of the work for you, and you lazy bastards don't want to send an email. You gotta be hungry, man. You exactly. gotta want it. And that shit bothered me, and so I'm like, and for a while there, I'm like, why the fuck am I wasting my time? And I have no self confidence. Like I am the least self confident person you will ever meet. Well, rightfully so. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and promoting myself just seemed like an ass, and I, I thought it was too egotistical. Um. I, I, I like ego being separate from things. And so it got to the point where I'm like, not to toot my own horn, but I'm averaging 70 plays on my podcast. 70 people are tuning in to listen to what I'm saying. That's clearly people are wanting to hear me have some balls and promote yourself. So I turned Table Talk into Table Talk Productions and long-term, I'm targeting it into a multimedia corporation so I can basically be my own. Um, I basically want to sign myself when it comes to entertainment. Uh, kind along of with other artists. Along with other like artists, yes. Uh, As we just of, had a whole conversation to start the podcast about independent <laughs> music actually being the thing now. <laughs> exactly. Like kind of going back to Kevin Smith again, um, he wanted to do all these different movies but he was told no because Universal just didn't want to let him because they owned the rights to – because as a you, – you acted. You would not understand. And in the uh, – basically, I write a script. I have to sell it for it to be made. Right. F- fuck you. I put in the hours. I put in the blood, sweat, and tears and sleepless nights of creating this crap. You can't tell me I can't use my creation whenever the hell I want. Fuck you. This is mine. I don't give a shit if I sell it to you. And it got to the point I'm like, how many things are we missing out on because nobody wants to put the money into it? Because they don't deem it good enough. Well, that's the thing, man. You just got to front the bill and you can get, have anything made you want. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's kind of the route I want to go with it. I want to put out this first project like Dylan and I's initial goal is we want to sell it to Netflix Netflix has really been pushing Netflix originals what better way to get your name out as a director and an actor than go on to a streaming service that 200 million people in the states use and so I just kind of started promoting myself and it kind of turned into I separated the podcast from Table Talk I physically enjoy. We've been here two hours. I haven't talked to you since we graduated high school. Like that's true. We communicate on social media. Like I, but I physically have enjoyed the last two hours of just sitting here and communicating with you. And with like, for example, how much I love Joe Rogan's podcast. I got to the point. I'm like, why would I segregate people who have good viewpoints like yourself that I can communicate with? Why would I not put them on the podcast and just have a conversation with them? Talk about life. Talk about how we could potentially fix the world. Yeah. Just, I mean, just do that, man. I mean, that's, 
and that's an awesome thing and i just think it's a great way to look at it and that's what's so amazing man i mean you can just do whatever you want it's fucking crazy man but it's like that's so true i don't know how that ever became a thing back in the day like before the internet and stuff where we're like you can <laughs> that do is a cr- yeah like the internet is powerful right man and it's insane could you imagine living in the 30s and somebody looking at you and be like you can be whatever you want to be <laughs> no you can't what are you talking You're a about fucking liar like that's we're in the great de- it wasn't the great depression they're like <laughs> we're literally sleeping outside right like Bitch, I want a home. Like, this is terrible. <laughs> the only thing I want to bring back from the 30s is 30s wardrobe. Yeah. I love that attire. Dude, then rock it. I, that's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Walmart. <laughs> I want to bring it back, meaning I want somebody to, to bring this I to want me. somebody to popularize this so Walmart can get the cheap version. <laughs> I want this to go mainstream enough that I can afford the <laughs> shitty version of it. That's what I need in my life. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I have nice clothes in my closet. Fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I mean, I, you're a cool guy and all. I ain't getting fucking dressed up for you. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, I, Tommy gets pissed at me. Like, I typically take longer to get ready than she does because I'm very... If I'm going out and trying to meet people, I am very. I take the whole um, meet your like signet or um, act like you're going to meet your significant other or future employer at any point in time. Yeah. So I want to make myself presentable as possible. Right. And so you never know who you're networking with. Exactly. Uh, I took care of a guy at uh, Red Robin Saturday, and uh, he created motherfuckers a millionaire. He created two apps. Like one is called Sherlock. Like, you can walk into Macy's and, like, scan this barcode for a belt, and it'll find you the cheaper belt somewhere, and you take it up to the cashier, and because they, like, price match, instead of getting that belt for $30, you're getting it for $15. Shout out Sherlock, dog. I'm on that. (laughs) And so I was talking to this guy about everything I do, and he's like, here's my email. Let's talk. Like, let me help you. And I'm like, well, fuck yeah. And so I... I want to. I won't marry Tommy until I have my sleeves finished because I, when we get married, I don't want jackets. I want the whole suspender look, but I want my sleeves rolled up so I can have my tattoo showing. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and it's stupid little things like that, but I, I just love that style and look. I right. I don't love the hipster look because hipsters ruined the world. But I, I, mean, like, I hate to tell you, but like you do like the hipster look. Yeah, like you just don't like. <laughs> I you don't like not, being compared to them. You may not like what it represents, but like <laughs> you're podcasting and you want to have sleeves so you can you know have suspenders and roll up your st- like, dude, you're living it. I hate to tell you. Like, <laughs> I had a man bun in a four inch beard at one point. <laughs> that's all. Like that's it. We're just speaking facts. Whatever conclusion you get from that, you know, if the shoe fits, Cinderella. <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> man I seg- I segwayed a lot off of how I just have people on the podcast now. yeah right right but it's cool man I mean I think it's a I think it's a great thing it's it's a ton of fun I mean dude seriously though props to you for doing it I mean it's something I've thought about doing and uh just I'm just never, glad you were down had. for it because like I was like who do I want to get on and I wanted your radio voice on like oh, wow. I hated you in high school because every time you did that announcement I'm like that beautiful voice motherfucker <laughs> There were plenty of other reasons to hate me beyond my voice. Oh, no, so, I like, hated you in high school. I ain't 
ain't gonna name drop, but Courtney's bitch ass made that's me all right. hate you. All right, all right. I mean, we gotta, you know, whatever. Water under the bridge. <laughs> I mean, when, the people I hated in high school were people I didn't truly know, and I hated them off of like things I heard about other people. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of life, though, right? I mean, you still like we like, still do that. Like, like I I legit hated you because Courtney told me you beat her. Well, I mean, if there's one, if anybody who knows me, there's one thing that I love to do is beat, is beat women. women. <laughs> They're like, some people like baseball, some people like you know, I don't know, gardening or something I like, like that. I like domestic abuse for, for my money. <laughs> America's pastime <laughs> is whooping some female ass. <laughs> Somebody put that in quotes and if put it I over get my a call face. From a lawyer, I'm going to be pissed. Right. <laughs> Misrepresent me on the internet, please. <laughs> Have you listened to Joe Rogan's? Oh, uh, I think it's like his high life uh, comedy special. No. He he talks about how um, he doesn't always agree with the things he says. He'll save opinions because it's funny. Like. He intends it as a joke. And so he's like, my wife and I don't have sex anymore. And the people are like, oh, And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, we have sex, but she never initiates it. And he goes to like, I'd rape my wife. And he does. And he's like, no, I don't mean that. He's like, at most, I'd like titty fuck her butt cheeks. <laughs> and, and he's just going to show that, like, he'll just say shit for comedic video. And then, uh, ter- uh what's that? one black comedian's name uh he was on 30 rock tracy morgan tracy morgan he made that comment that he would stab his son if he was gay but in that same comedy bit he said he would eat a mile of shit to get to kim kardashian's booty dude you you can't comedy's on another level man you just can't take those things that those people say and and act like that's reality people could take any comment we have made this entire podcast and make us out to be shitty human Right, beings. right. I mean, but it's kind of a performance. It's like, I don't take, like, one of my favorite shows of all time, Dexter. I don't look at Michael C. Hall, who played Dexter on the show, and be like, dude, will somebody arrest that man? He's a fucking murderer already, all right? He said he likes, he said he loves killing people. He can't help but kill people. Get that man off the streets. So, to the same thing, like, you can't get mad at what comedians say. They're a different person on stage. Oh, exactly. Oh, I got to email. <laughs> I keep t- saying I'm going to turn this into com- comedy bit, and I was going to actually open one of my podcast episodes with it, but fuck it. I'll just do it now. So the first time I was left alone with Charlie was um, I've been working two to three jobs since July uh, up until a couple months before she was born. I'm like, I'm broke as shit, and I got to find a way to finance this child coming because – She's coming regardless. Grind. <laughs> and so uh, I had a day off from like all three jobs somehow. And Tommy was like, well, I'm going to go take the baby to the babysitter. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I'll watch her. We can save ourselves a little bit of money. And so uh, Tommy leaves and my child gets that fucking Chucky doll like spin head look like, we in for a show, daddy. <laughs> oh, this little fucking child. <laughs> I'm not very good with children. At all, I don't. I don't like. If you can't tell me what's wrong, I don't like you. This is why Tommy and I don't get along a lot of times because the female sex will not tell you what's wrong. Well, good thing you're just a dad. You I know, mean, no yeah, big deal. no big deal. <laughs> so uh, t- 
Tommy went, uh, I think she was working at double or something. So I was alone with the baby for most of the day. And for the first half of the day, she was pretty damn good. And she just got awful. Like, so I changed her diaper, fed her, like walked around, bounced her. Like nothing was making this child happy. And she was screaming at the top of her lungs. Like, I'm getting physically angry because I don't know what the fuck is wrong. I got to the point where at one point she wanted to be around the dogs. So I opened up the dog cage, put the baby with the dogs, and locked the cage. She was cool with it for a little while. And and eventually she started crying again. And at this point, I'm steaming mad. Like, I'm physically angry. And I'm like, I'm fucking taking you to an orphanage. I can't fucking do this shit. And then an epiphany happened. The the uh, the creator side of me came out and said two things would happen if I dropped you off at a fire station. Scenario one: you go to an orphanage, and because she was a cute baby, she's gonna get adopted by somebody. So because she's going to find out she was adopted, that her dad abandoned her, she's going to be a strong, independent woman and turn into like a Fortune 500 CEO and hate you and hate me. <laughs> or scenario two. She doesn't get adopted, is forced in this orphanage until she's 18, and becomes a stripper, gets addicted to cocaine, and, like, shoots up in an alley and, like, overdoses. 50-50, dog. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So uh, I was like, man, it, that's that's pretty risky to just give up a child. And at that time, Tommy walks through the door, and the baby goes from screaming to go, ah! I'm like, you little fucking cunt. That's like, all you need. <laughs> Mommy. <laughs> oh, it pissed me the fuck off. I was livid. I'm like, you were literally <laughs> for hours and then your mother walks in and she's like sup mom <laughs> it was a great day and so uh because she knew you were thinking about uh about dropping her off at a fire station man oh, she, yeah. she can't Tommy get comfortable doesn't know this fucking story and <laughs> so uh to. instead of no she doesn't listen to this shit she doesn't support me like that i don't either <laughs> cool whatever but uh <laughs> instead of getting mad about this scenario i'm like i kind of realized that's pretty fucking funny so I turned that shit into a comedy bit. Right. So I uh, I typed it out and I emailed it to a couple of people. Well, I forgot to tell them it was a comedy bit. So I started mm. getting phone calls like, do you what need What is to- wrong with you? Exactly. Yeah. Like, do we need to talk to somebody? I'm like, no, I'm good. Why? They're like, you're talking about giving your daughter up for adoption. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, this is supposed to be funny. Right. And they're like, oh, let me reread this. And they call me back like, that's pretty fucked up. But it made me laugh a lot. Right. <laughs> Man, that's comedy. <laughs> I did it. I won. <laughs> and so, uh, I, I really want to turn that bit into an actual Santa bit. I want to get on Zany's out in West Nashville. Yeah, dude, I love it there. I've been there a couple times. I haven't now. been yet. I want to go, but every time all the it's comedians cool I want to see, they fucking sell out almost immediately. And um, so, I don't know if I'd ever actually want to try to do something with like a comedy career, but. Doing stand-up has been one of my goals, so it may fucking happen. Dude, do it. Just be like Donald Glover, man. Do everything you can. Yes. <laughs> have you seen the new Homecoming commer- or uh, trailer? I have not. So Heard they finally show Donald Glover. Dude, real quick. I have to pee so bad. Can we break or... Yeah, so we're just going to pause. <laughs> and we're just going to pick this up when you're done peeing. All right. All right, so after some fade-in and some fade-out editing. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I was squirming, man. I had to go. <laughs> That's all right, though. Good pee break is good for a podcast. I mean, it really is. Just sadly, it's that it was at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> good timing or bad timing by the bladder i don't know i, I mean it's really it would have been good timing if we could get another two hours in but at the fear of clipping i yeah. don't want this to shut off at a pretty pivotal point because none of our conversations can truly be cut anywhere right so uh, but off air we were just discussing the next time you're going to be on <laughs> But we got to talk. We're going to have a collab podcast. Apparently. We're going to bring Dylan Reed back on because Danny here has got some things he would like to discuss with him. It was just in your last podcast with Dylan. You guys got into a little conversation about religion. I think you were making some fair points and, you know, you're you're asking the right questions and like there's there's a lot of things to unpack in it. And I feel like Dylan wasn't necessarily showing some great unpacking skills. <laughs> and I think we got way more Things we can delve into with that. <laughs> Love to talk with him about it. Love to talk to you about it. Mostly too, you got a, you got a lot of a lot of thoughts on it. So oh, we're 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 gonna line this up. It's probably gonna be relatively in the near future. <laughs> I can't wait, man. That'll be a fun one. I appreciate you being on, man. Dude, it was awesome. Until next time, buddy. Thank you guys for tuning into another episode of Table Talk. We will see you next time. <laughs> Thank you.